Welcome to Digital Finance Today, the GoVC Group podcast series, looking at key developments in alternative finance and digitization in finance. Um, every time I attend a conference on fintech, there's a session on blockchain, and every time I go, I realize the speed in which this space is evolving, the work being done, and how now leading organizations of the world are also getting involved. So in this episode, we shall take a closer look at blockchain and Bitcoin. And assisting me today to go through the key points, I'm very pleased to introduce not one, but two guests, both experts and from different regions of the world, and with two quite different perspectives on, on this space as well. So let me start, first of all, with Bjorn Bjorke. Bjorn is the co-founder of Norchain and Write IT, and is affectionately known as Mr. Bitcoin. He's based in Norway. Bjorn, welcome to the podcast. And if I may ask you, can you just introduce yourself and describe the work that you're doing for our listeners? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Said. Uh, as you said, I'm based in Norway, and um, I'm, um, I started looking at the blockchain and Bitcoin about two years ago uh, with focus on, on the blockchain. Um, my background is kind of uh, IT from the financial sector. I've been doing a lot of infrastructure work, uh, data center work, and uh, focusing on uh, like algorithm trading and so on. Uh, but now my focus is on Northchain, which is a main uh, mining operation, and uh, Right IT, which is consulting within the blockchain space. Okay, thank you, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, let me move over now to our second guest. Uh, I want to introduce Alex Medana, who's the CEO of WIP Solutions, and he's based as I am here in Hong Kong. Uh, I met Alex actually at, an, at a very interesting fintech event last week called Finovasia, and uh, he has some very interesting viewpoints and, and comments on this space, so I thought it would be fantastic to have Alex on this podcast today. So welcome, Alex, and please could you just introduce yourself? Thank you, Said. Yes, it was the best panel ever, uh, I must say, especially on blockchain. No pressure. Um, so I'm based in Hong Kong um, and I've started my own consultancy. WIP stands for Workflow Infrastructure and People because these are the, the three things I've been doing for um, over 16 years in financial services. Um, I have a different perspective, as you said, because I'm a user of technology. I'm not a technologist. I do not understand in the depth of beyond, but I can um, I can use it, right? Um, I've defined, I sold it, and um, you could qualify me as somebody who has a front-to-back view of regulation, asset classes, workflows, and so forth. So, what do we do? Um, it's a it's it's a consultancy where we build blockchain solutions. Um, We'll go on to release some uh, press releases in, um, in January and so forth. Um, and very, very quickly, it has nothing to do with Bitcoin, proof of work, or Ethereum. It's a kind of a brand new way, and I'm sure others are doing it, right? Um, um, and they look at the limitations of maybe the past and look at the future. So this is something that we're building now. Okay, thank you. And we'll definitely go into a lot more detail as we go through the different topics on this podcast. Uh, from, from both a financial services perspective and also from a Bitcoin and maybe even a mining perspective, which is what Bjorn brings to the, brings to the discussion today. Uh, let me just briefly introduce my name, who I am as well. My name is Saeed Hassan. I'm the managing partner of Grow Advisors. Uh, Grow Advisors is the consulting and advisory unit of the Grow VC Group. 
For the past seven years, our group has assisted clients develop and execute digital strategies in the areas of finance. Um, at Grow Advisors, our specific focus is that of alternative finance, meaning the areas of crowd investing, online lending, and fintech solutions in wealth management. Uh, we assist in developing business models, and we also work through with our partners in the Grow VC group to deliver the actual technology solutions too. So now with those introductions already done, let's now move on and talk a little bit about blockchain and, and, and really the reason for this podcast today. Um, you know, there's been a lot of media coverage on blockchain and Bitcoin for several years, and it's coming to quite a crescendo this year, I've noticed. There seems to be a lot of news, but blockchain is still a mystery for many people, even those in the finance industry, I would say. So let's first just spend a few minutes describing, in, in your perspectives, what is blockchain or what is Bitcoin as well, and where did it come from? Let me start with, let me start with Alex. What do you think? Okay, so, um, and I think I'm, I may not go too much into the details where it comes from because it's, it's kind of a, and, and I will leave beyond the experts, you know, to talk about that, but I think um, it's beyond the Bitcoin paradigm, right? So uh, distributed ledgers have existed for, I don't know, 10, 15 years, something like that. But I think Bitcoin went, okay, look, there's a, a cryptocurrency and there's that, that thing, that distributed ledger, um, that underpins it, and everybody went wow, and 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 I did. So when I explain blockchain, and one of the first um, question is what you're talking about, or one of the first comment when they say what you're talking about is a database, I'd say yes, it's a database, but not just. It's a protocol, but not just, and it's a workflow with, but not just. And and to make it very 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 simple, I would call it a, a river of data, right? So. We on that river, yeah, on each side of the river, and we see all the fishermen. And then I catch a fish, right? I catch a fish, and everybody can see the same fish, number one. Number two, when I caught my fish, I can't put it back without you guys seeing what I've done. So, so it's, a, it's a river. It's an enabler as well. It's not a solution. It's a technology. And I think um, when we go through maybe later on the questions, I like to talk about um, let's calm down, let's stop the hype. There's a lot of opportunities, there's a lot of, uh, of growth opportunities, but right now we need to step back and look at use case plus use case plus use case. So um, a river of data, basically. Okay, that's an, uh, an interesting yes. one which I haven't heard before. Um, Bjorn, let me, let me move over to you. So what, just could you tell me briefly, what do you think blockchain is for you or what is Bitcoin for you? Well, um, the blockchain, uh, the way I try to describe it to people is that um, it's it's a bunch of boxes with transactions in them. And for every box that you uh, handle all the transactions, that box get locked. And with the next box on top of it, and so on and so on. So um, this is a way that we can always prove something in time. Uh, so not only transactions, if we're talking about Bitcoin or if we're talking about uh, something completely different, you can you now have a mechanism uh, by using blockchain technology to prove uh, that at this point in history, this is what happened. This is the contract that was signed. This is the transaction between money. This is the land ownership or or. This is even a birth or health record or something like that. 
So uh, it, it, the blockchain does not necessarily have to be um, decentralized like the Bitcoin blockchain is. Mm -hmm. uh, it can totally be centralized, but there are uh, security risks that, um, that uh, is, uh, is only measured in, in the size of the blockchain. So, uh, just getting back to the blockchain that we all know about, which is the Bitcoin blockchain, is so big right now that uh, that uh, because of the proof of work, uh, it is extremely secure. Okay, okay. So let me just let me just paraphrase that back because you've used lots of in the between you. You've said things like uh, distributed ledger. You said lockdown. Or fixed trans fixed events or transactions in time or in history, so things kind of be changed or modified later. Um, is that for you, for 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 both of you, what you think is the strongest feature and the reason why blockchain potentially could be such a big game changer? Because it allows that uh, that ability to track and monitor and lock down transactions and things in the digital space. Is that is that how you see it, or is that overly simplifying things? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, that's that's completely what we're saying. Is is the stronger the network, the the less security risk, and therefore you can prove in time that something has happened. And blockchain is enabling that type of technology for us. So, uh, looking at it from a broad, broad perspective, uh, it's like. Uh, we call it a database, uh, but it, it, it's like calling a car a horseless carriage. Uh, so how do you explain what a Tesla is? You know, uh, uh, this is this is like the Tesla model of, of what a um, what a, a database could be. Okay, uh, Alex. On my side, I yes. On my side, I think it, it depends where you come from, right? So if you're an IT, an architecture specialist, you will say, right, I love the security, right? That maybe um, gives me another uh, kind of secure network on top of my cloud. I like to talk about a firewall, yes? So you could have a blockchain as a firewall that doesn't connect um, uh, your data to your uh, to your core banking system, for example, just API and, and you segregate. So I don't want to too much talk about you know private key, disposable key, public key. To me, as a user, the silver bullet is about the data. So remember the, the idea, um, the image I mentioned about the fish, right? Mm -hmm. So if I have that fish, everybody sees that fish. And it's one fish, and that fish is true, is real, is now. Um, and to me, that is, that is very, very potent to have that view of the data here and now without it being replicated across database, without it being reconciled. So you save a lot of time, a lot of cost, a lot of risk by having one view of the data. I, I totally agree uh, with Bjork. Sometimes you decentralize it, sometimes you centralize. Again, not my point, just to be simple, it's about the clear view, one clear view of data. That is very, very powerful to me. Okay. Uh, now the one aspect that I'm I'm um, uh, a little confused on, Alex, uh, is that I, I don't think, um, or from my perspective as an IT, um, 
the security in a blockchain is computing power. So the more mm-hmm. computing power you have, the more secure. Uh, that's why, uh, for instance, the, the Bitcoin blockchain is now uh, tremendously huge. Uh, and you, uh, even if you put all the machines on, connected to the internet uh, all together, you, you would not be able to overrun it because it has more computing power than than all the machines altogether in the world. Um, uh, so, so security equals computing power, and I, I got a bit confused when you said that you would put blockchain on your firewall security and so on. Uh, do you mind no. elaborating? Yeah, yeah. So, so number one, I, I, and as well, I, I, when I talk about blockchain, I don't talk about Bitcoin blockchain. So, you know, uh, something that we are designing is really outside the, the proof of work is more of a proof of existence where you have disposable keys, you know. So, so when I was, um, I was saying, it's great, the security, you know, when we talk about public key, private key or, or, or disposable key, that aspect of connectivity, it's great. The, the way I, I, I mention blockchain is to think about um, so think about a database that is up there in the cloud. Again, that's an image. That's not a truth. That's an image whereby you could have a data that is firewalled from your own architecture. You know, you're a bank, right? And and you could have that thin layer that is shared with everybody. Call it a private chain. Call it a permission uh, ledger of a public chain. Uh, again, you know, that there's... there's um, we, we need to agree on the vocabulary that we use, uh, I'm afraid, yes. Uh, but it, it's not a firewall. I, I mentioned about it's, it's so secure that you could have that data shared outside. For me, it's really about um, the data. This is the, this is the key for me you know, as a user because I've suffered from having you know, 20 applications a day when I need to log and I need that to have spreadsheets and, and you know, Word documents and I can't remember my passwords all the time. And, and that goes away right in the future with the blockchain. So I do hope I make my point. I'm not saying it is a firewall, but, but in the image you could have that view of the data that is not directly um, engaging your architecture, you know, your core architecture, your core banking. Okay, well, let me, let, let me move on. Just, let me, just on this part here, one way I find often to, to understand the features of something new is to compare it to what we currently have. So whilst, you're, whilst it's good that you're talking about the security uh, and, and, and the features of blockchain, one question that comes to my mind then is, then why doesn't traditional finance or the banking sector today what I'm trying to say is, is it not as secure as blockchain potentially could be? What are the differences between blockchain and what the current financial system, how the current financial system operates? So maybe you could just touch on that. So if if blockchain is a single version of an asset, so nobody, so there's no duplication and so on, how does that differ to how records and transactions are currently done in the financial world? What's the difference there? Yeah, Alex, go ahead. So, so I'll, I'll, again, Bjorn, I'll... I'll speak from a user, right? So imagine that I work in equities um, and I'm in Hong Kong, right? And Bjorn is in Norway. So already we have two databases between us, right? Because I have one in Hong Kong, one in Norway, and most likely for BCP reason, I have one maybe in US, in UK, whatever. So number one, there will be replications, uh, synchronicity issues, race controls, recon- re- uh, reconciliations, handshakes, and all the problems. So that is just at one problem. 
uh, at one product. Now, if you think about a workflow of that uh, product, that asset class, then I would have a front office, a middle office, a back office. I would have my financial controllers. I have asset services, security, lending, collateral management. So what I call equity then becomes very, very complicated complicated where maybe we'll talk about payments later on and payments are very very simple compared to equities and by the way equities is the most easiest asset class to understand but the workflow in itself is very complicated why because banks have um, have built silos um, front middle back whether it's because of Nick Leeson what he did in Singapore you know in 1990 what was it for um, and broke bearings bank and we need to have middle and back that I leave uh, for the audience to judge but but you have this segregation of duty right you have um, the front can, cannot know what the back knows and, and, and vice versa you have geography you have subsidiary you add Equities in itself needs to have a cash dimension. So it's, it's all complicated, right? So when I talk about, yes, blockchain is a database. Of course it is. But not just. Because it is a single piece of repository whereby all your reconciliation, and I'm not saying today, right? Because again, we have to count down. We have to work on proof of concept of use case and build, uh, you know, the architecture. But whether it's late la uh, next year or, or, or in the future, your reconciliation tools, all these databases go away, right? Because you can put your blockchain in the cloud and you have one view of data. And that is very, very powerful. Fantastic. Well, let, let, let's move on and uh, I'll invite Bjorn to talk about that maybe on the, on, on, on the next questions as well. Um, but what I want to do now is, and we've briefly touched on it, I think, on the, in the previous in the previous couple of minutes as well, is I want to talk specifically about the roles and benefits that blockchain can offer in the financial ecosystem. Um, and clearly there are many possibilities here, but sticking within the context of financial services, in your view, and uh, how is it, or how do you see that technology already benefiting financial services today? Or do you see this still as something which is still several months or several years out? Uh, let, me, let, me, let me start with Bjorn if you have an answer to that. Yeah. No, sure. Um, I uh, I have the sense that the the reason why we're connecting the financial services to the blockchain is that's where it started uh, with the with Bitcoin and with cryptocurrency, um, but it doesn't have anything to do with financial services. It, it, it's just a database, like Alex said, uh, and and the the main thing that I'm seeing is, is as as a major potential is like Alex pointed out, I'm in Norway, he's in Hong Kong. We have two different databases that might not be synced and so on. Well, if we had a distributed blockchain technology, we'd be looking at the same document no matter where you are in the world and on your phone or PC or, or whatever. And so uh, because it's an open uh, or uh, at least the blockchains that I've looked at are open ledgers where everybody has access. Uh, there are multiple things that you can use this for. Uh, we've been looking at, uh, for instance, voting in elections. Uh, it has a great pot potential, uh, potential uh, using the blockchain because there you would have, uh, you know, the votes coming in. You can tally the votes as soon as the last vote's in. And also everybody else in the world 
can check that that country's voting system uh, was executed right. Uh, so, uh, you know, this is a big, big, big uh, positive side to democracy. Um, and, you know, uh, the, the, the potentials are unlimitless when it comes to land ownership and, and uh, you know, health records. Uh, we're, we've been looking at a plan where uh, if we could put some kind of lockdown system on health records uh, connected to your DNA. So, uh, say I travel to Thailand, uh, I get in a bus accident and, uh, uh, and I'm knocked out. Well, someone in the hospital there could pull out a lock of my hair, check my DNA, open my health records for all my uh, health uh, information uh, from all the hospitals in the world and have access to everything right there and then. You know, we're talking uh, no time at all. And that's hopeful. That's where I hope the future is going to bring us is have some kind of... Uh, some kind of a unified system for solving these things. So it's, from a financial point of view, mm, yeah, um, there's going to be some figuring out, um, you know, monetary systems. Our fiat currencies today are, uh, are uh, you know, way uh, outdated, I would say. Uh, so, so something's going to happen on that front. If it's Bitcoin or if it's cryptocurrency or if it's some kind of hybrid or whatever, I have no idea and I'm not going to take a position on that. But um, uh, yeah, definitely this will help in so many other sectors uh, on using a, a global database or cloud-based database. Well, it sounds um, you, you, paint, you paint the picture of Bitcoin and blockchain almost as big as the Internet in terms of possibilities and what can be done. And it's not, as you said, it's not just about financial services, but it, but it certainly it could touch our lives in many different ways across many different industries. Um, but, let me just, but let me just bring in Alex here and say, well, specifically within financial services, how do you see it? Because as I mentioned right at the beginning in the introductions, at every fin FinTech conference I attend, or even just conversations on FinTech, blockchain comes up. So why that fervor? Why that sudden interest? And, and then so specifically one or two examples from your point of view as to how you see blockchain revolutionizing the way we do financial services. Only one or two. Wow. <laughs> uh, I can give you 20, 50, you know, in about five minutes. But uh, no, I'm only joking. I'm with Bjorn here. So um, and, and I will talk about financial services because that's where, you know, I've been paid for so many years. But yeah. It's limitless in terms of yeah, voting, uh, IoT, insurance, whatever, you know. Anything that has data, information, transaction, that doesn't have to be financial services based, yeah, can be on the blockchain. Having said that, so I think um, the interest was maybe, oh, crypto, right? It's another asset class. I can hedge, I can trade, I can make money. Great for financial services. But number two, if you look at the blockchain, is to say, oh dear, I have all these costs. Yeah? And then I can use that, again, quote-unquote, database to reduce my cost. Globally, the run rate of IT is $200 billion per annum, right? Um, some people say we can manage 10% of that run rate, $20 billion, but it's just IT. Think about the cost of compliance, the FTEs, the facilities, the electricity, that blockchain in 5 to 10 years can absolutely cut. So there's number one. Number two... I think why now? Because 
banks have been, um, I don't know if the word attacked is the right way, but regulations. Uh, you, you look at emir.frank, Mifid, Basel 3. You cannot deploy your balance sheet as easy as before. You cannot uh, leverage as much as before. Um, you cannot lend as easily as before. And by the way, um, in, in bracket, that's why I don't believe in disruption in the peer-to-peer -peer lending world, because in my mind, banks have retreated from lending, whether it's repo, whether it's collateral, or whether it's direct lending to SMEs uh, in correspondent banking, SMEs or, um, or uh, people, right? So, And then you have fintech coming in, startups coming in and, and taking the share of that uh, cake, which is normal because the bank cannot afford. Um, so the banks have a problem, right? The cost uh, to deploy their balance sheets is very uh, heavy. Their OPEX costs, compliant costs are very, very high. Now, they see the blockchain as kind of a silver bullet to absolutely, you know, the hockey stick, hockey stick, uh, but uh, the other way around, right? It drops off a cliff. So they have to look at it, uh, and they are doing it. Now, step back, you asked me to, to look at um, use case. And I mentioned equities, right? So the easiest case to look at to start with is payments, right? Easy. Again, Bjorn and I, I send him some dollars. So he's in Norway, there's my bank, his bank. And in my example, because I've used dollars, there's a clearing bank in New York between us. And most likely, his central bank, my central bank, and the Fed, right? Very, very easy. When I send him money, and I'm not saying crypto, right? Just plain money. Um, it doesn't have to match it. It doesn't need to know about it because uh, my 100 bucks will reach his account as long as I have the right details, the right address, the right name, IBAN. Um, and therefore, that's one of the easiest use cases to start and, and, and easiest maybe not because, you know, there's the cost of displacement of the current infrastructure, SWIFT, the current clearing infrastructure and so forth. But when you're a bank and you say, look, I have so much cost embedded in paying money, um, I should be able to start netting it. I should be able to maybe use crypto uh, currency to reduce my cost or use fiat replicated on the ledger. So I think payments. Uh, then when you move away and you say, okay, what are these easiest use cases? Peer-to-peer lending. Peer-to-peer -peer lending doesn't need blockchain, by the way. And um, I think there's a lot of forcing the blockchain into the conversation, right? Blockchain is an enabler when you have problem with your data. And, and to me, that is, that is key. When we have a lot of data that need to, I, I would use centralized, but again, it can be decentralized. Apologies. Sometimes there's a limitation in my vocabulary, but let's say I want it into a distributed ledger. Peer-to-peer -peer lending, could, um, you could have velocity of information, of uh, collateral, of lending uh, that is underpinned by the blockchain. Blockchain needs data analytics and visualization. You know, the blockchain is not the answer for everything, but it helps to move the data in, in fast, to make the data real and trusted. So uh, I mentioned two, but I can go on and on and on. Please don't, Alex. Let me uh, let me move on to let me move on to a couple of other sections. If I, if I may, just add um, mm -hmm. response also to what you just said, Alex and Bjorn as well. Um, I tend to agree. I think payments is probably going to be the lowest hanging fruit and most impacted by blockchain technology. But that doesn't 
that doesn't underestimate the reach of blockchain because payments underpins all of financial services anyway. So just because we say it starts with, with payments, it actually touches upon everything. And then one other point I wanted to make, and I will invite you to come back and, and maybe also comment, is um, blockchain at its base is P2P or peer-to-peer. -peer. It's about you know uh, empowering everybody, and it's not just about having a centralized or one organization managing data or managing records, but it brings everybody in, and the power of everybody being together makes the system more secure. And of course, I'm just simplifying the, the, the advantages of blockchain. But when we start looking at how financial services are moving, for example, in the areas of P2P lending or crowd investing, or even how wealth management may move into the future as well, where platform technology is going to open up services to many more people, as I said, through, through platforms. There, I believe, there may be an opportunity for blockchain to play some role because we're talking about a greater number of transactions between more people and outside of the traditional institutions. And there, maybe, there is a role for more security, greater uh, integrity and fidelity in the data as well. So maybe there, I do believe, there could be qu uh, quite a lot of possibilities. Alice, yeah, please go ahead. Yeah, so, and, and, and let me as well rephrase as well what I've done and what I've said, because payment is the easiest workflow to look at, right? Uh, but having said that, and that's why you have an R3, um, uh, you have to collaborate, because if I am a bank and I have a very uh, nice blockchain, it helps me within my silos, right? So Norway to Hong Kong, great, I can put it on blockchain, but then I need a connectivity to, um, to a clearinghouse, ACH, to an agent, to a counterparty, to SWIFT. But when you put all the banks together, and that's why to me you have all this collaboration, and I believe collaboration will be in payments, clearing and settlements, and then for the rest, hold on. I'm doing my peer-to-peer, -peer, I'm doing my collateral management, I'm doing my own stuff now. I don't talk to you, right? Um, so, so there's one. Um, second, I don't think there's first mover advantage at all with blockchain, right? Because it's a new technology, so we started with Bitcoin, we have Ethereum, uh, smart contract, la-di-da, and then we'll have our technology soon to talk about, but no joking. But you know, you have, you have something um, um, uh, moving up the, the, the value ladder. And, and finally, I think it's, it's exactly what you've said, right? So in peer-to-peer, -peer, in wealth management, what it gives me as an institution, if I were an institution, it gives me a marketplace. It gives me access. I'm a Facebook, right? It gives me access to a lot of call them nodes or clients or consumer, one. Two, I can be um, a, a clearer of that lending, of that money, without impacting my Basel III coverage ratio. So why should I not look into uh, a peer-to-peer -peer underpinning by blockchain? Because my cost of acquisition of clients is very low, and even more so, my cost of maintenance is even lower than whatever I had before, you know, with all the core banking and, and Swift Engine and payment and whatnot. So yes, I have to rush into it for all these reasons. Okay, uh, Bjorn, let me pass over to you. What do you have to comment? I totally get what you're saying, Alex, and and uh, I like your your example of you know uh, transferring money using cryptocurrency across borders and then uh, connecting to a clearinghouse, then connecting to your local currency or local bank, and then getting the money paid out, which uh, is gonna work in the meantime. But uh, my you know little concern or question on that is 
Bitcoin actually works. So why don't you just use Bitcoin from peer to peer uh, instead of going through the clearinghouse? I rather, you know, I might be in front of the in front of the curb here. Uh, so I rather keep my savings in bitcoins just because it's trending upwards in in price, and I'm getting a return on you know uh, 20% a month right now. But that's that's temporary, I think. However, keeping my my savings in Bitcoin and taking them out as I need them works better for me. And also, I do get a lot of money from around the world, uh, and I rather them, you know, keep away from the clearinghouses and and just transfer them in Bitcoin. I do see, however, if my idea uh, is gonna succeed, there's definitely going to be some kind of shift of power uh, in the world and uh, I don't know where that's going to end up because it's definitely going to take power away from uh, like you said the federal government and and, um, and all uh, all these types you know to me there's place for everybody right so because it's a big world and you could have and I'm not saying two tiers I'm saying there's place for everybody whereby individual like us can use bitcoin right and bank go Bitcoin, right? Uh, because there's 6,000 nodes, so there's a control that I don't control. Uh, you don't trust me. You talk too much about disruption. So, you know, there's that. I think there's everybody needs to get around the table for Bitcoin to be um, um, understood and used globally from a banking point of view. Because all the bankers I talk to, uh, they say, okay, what are you talking about today? Blockchain or Bitcoin? I say, no, I don't talk about Bitcoin. I talk about blockchain. Okay, go on. Um, so, but having said that, absolutely, we can still use it as, as a currency, as an exchange of value. It has its space. Um, and I think you're going to wake up to a surprise within the next year. My sources are telling me that that uh, the biggest banks in the world right now are buying up miners uh, to save up because they don't understand the technology, they don't know what they're doing, but they are seeing some kind of value in this chain and they're not going to sit back and, and let the value uh, come. So um, there's there's a rumor, I should put it like that, there's a rumor right now that HSBC has bought out KNC Miners, which was the biggest mining company. And and the rumor follows with that HSBC is not spending a, a single Satoshi on on uh, of their their mining uh, their their mined Bitcoin, uh, which is holding you know they're hoarding Bitcoins basically, if that rumor is true. Okay, let's um, let's let's move on, and you know, let's not let's not go more into Bitcoin and blockchain. But what I want to do is because we've spoken about the value of blockchain, and and I think we all do definitely agree that there's definitely opportunity, and we're seeing a lot more energy and time being spent in this space. Uh, but also, I want to just touch briefly on what do you what do you both believe are the main barriers? What's holding people back? If this is such a innovation and sometimes going to change financial services what in your minds are the key barriers do you think let me start for, let me start with alex first of all so to me again um, and and that's my uh, paradigm right so as a user of, uh, of technology as a financial services or ex-financial services person to me it's about it's not about techno technological 
uh, or technical barriers. And you could argue Bitcoin versus Ethereum or anything else, and, and then you can say benefits and, and problems of the technologies themselves, you know. Uh, but to me, if you look at, there's a lot of conversations about crypto stocks, right? And today there's two ways to look at it. One is a replication of an asset. So I have something paper or electronic form, and I replicate, I put it, I I digitalize it, I blockchainize it, however you want to call it. I put it on a blockchain as a coin, in a smart contract, as a token, right? So there's that. Or you create an asset directly into the blockchain. So there's these two things. Until and unless, and, and I think there's a lot of misconception, you know, I was having ping-pongs with some people and, and they don't come from the equity world or, or the securities world. Because what has happened so far has nothing to do with with current um, um, workflows on exchange. So um, you have Link uh, in NASDAQ, which is a crypto registry to me, you know, for startups, which is great, you know. So they have a crypto registry where a founder of a startup can see who owns the VCs, the PEs, and, and, the, um, and the other um, uh, uh, people owning the stock. So that's great. Overstock, as you saw, uh, um, had had the authorization from the SEC to issue stocks on the blockchain, right? So primary, very easy. I can issue, I can monitor. When it becomes very, very complicated, it's about secondary, price discovery, risk control, clearing, settlements. Settlements as an undertone of legally binding, legal uh, finality of settlements, and trading as an undertone of legal ownership, which no courts, I may be wrong, no courts has pushed the envelope. So we need the lawyers, we need the regulators, we need the bankers to push the envelope of legality of ownership and legality of, of settlements. These are the, the, the barriers for crypto stock to have trading, for example, equities and so forth. Other than that, technically, I don't think, and by the way, Everybody is working to make it better, better, better. Thinking freely with technology, I totally see that the system that we've come up with is as important as the invention of the wheel uh, because it does solve all these questions without government or legislative or, uh, you know, big companies putting rules and regulations on it. Um, it does work. Uh, we haven't gotten there yet. We haven't gotten the technology in place. But in theory, looking at the blockchain and, and Ethereum and the different aspects of it, it works. Uh, so uh, without without legislation, without government control, uh, and it's the math behind it. So uh, I'm I'm you know trying to do my part in pushing this technology uh, as far along as I can. Uh, and I don't want, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to uh, be stopped by, uh, by having to go uh, via lawyers, via, via legislation and so on. I'd rather just try it out and then have them come to me and say, what you're doing is, is wrong and illegal. I'll, I'll say, okay, I'm sorry, I'll take it down. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't live in a world that's as accommodating beyond. But hopefully, one day it will be like that. But let me just let me just move on 
uh, as we come to the close of this podcast, I just want to spend a couple of minutes talking about, and I briefly mentioned how we can embrace this technology and how we can drive this forward. So with that in mind, um, let me just explain that at GrowVC Group, we believe one of the main drivers of digitization in finance will be the access or access to or delivery of services through connected ecosystems. And by that, I refer to how companies will commercialize and buy technology through APIs or application program interfaces, um, or basically the programs that allow different technologies and platforms to communicate with each other. Um, so with this in mind, how easy is it, do you believe, for organizations today to incorporate this technology? So they don't necessarily need to develop technology in-house, but whether it's through APIs or partnerships with technology providers in the market, is it easy for people to get started in this space today, do you think? Uh, let me start with let me start with Bjorn this time. Yeah, well, I think it's it's easy to get started, but it's harder to put valuable things where you don't have the computing power. Like I said earlier, computing power equals security in this case. And uh, so the, the, the only network that really has the security right now is the Bitcoin network or the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, all the other uh, blockchains are are still under development, and there shouldn't be any value in those blockchains before they have that computing power. Uh, and and that's not a problem. It's just you know it's going to take time. And and I think you know looking forwards, it's going to be uh, the people with the mining experience, the people that have have built this, is going to be you know ahead of the curve and uh, and uh, have. A bright future in helping out banks and helping out, uh, you know, whoever is interested in building their own uh, blockchain. So back to your question, is there any software, is there anything that people can do right now to get involved? Um, I would say, you know, uh, look at mining as an aspect. Uh, if I was if I was an investor right now, I would run after the miners uh, because that's where the, the first money and the first interest is going to be. Not necessarily for mining, but for their technology, uh, for their um, knowledge on, on this space. Alex? So I will have a different angle, which is why, you know, we are here. Um, and it's great. Uh, to me, I will have a different angle because um, our solution does not need proof of work. It's proof of existence, and which means, uh, you know, it's about think of an Internet where you have pulsing of, of, um, of existence. So I won't go into too much of the detail, but watch this space in January. Um, and beyond, we can talk about it offline, maybe. Yeah. So I think... Let's step out and say, okay, advocacy, 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 advocacy. Why? Because when we, when I talk to people and I say, how long have you been following blockchain? Oh, a year. All right. Okay. And I go and explaining my, my belief, my, uh, you know, uh, my, our solutions and use case. And they always revert back to proof of work, proof of work, proof of work. So, which means they only know Bitcoin. So, there are other solutions out there. Um, and it's great, you know, it's a starting point, right? So we need to talk a lot. And we need to talk a lot to the regulators, the associations, you know, the, the bankers and so forth. So there's number one. Um, in terms of how we go about it, so there's consultancy. We've built a proof of work that does, uh, sorry, not proof of work, but proof of concept. <laughs> and that doesn't need a lot of money. And the banks are receptive because, you know, uh, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 bucks, whatever it is, 
and they can build something that works. Um, so in terms of the cost. Then, of course, if you look at the play of Microsoft and IBM, very, very interesting. So they look at uh, blockchain as a, as, a, as a service. You know, so you integrate the cloud, data visualization analytics, the blockchain underpinning, you have the consultants, you know, uh, the project managers, and that's where the bank can really um, uh, take a product off the shelf. Because the banks may have a couple of guys in their firm globally who understand blockchain. They may have a couple of guys who are tweaking it, but they do not have the resources and they can't take risks. Because with blockchain, you have to really push the boundaries. And one of the limitations I see is to say, why? Today works like this. How we can think about tomorrow basing on today, today or yesterday. And, and my engagement is, is always about forget about everything. So forget about your spaghetti infrastructure. If you could create an asset, if you could mint a token, if you could create a smart envelope or smart contract, what would it be? Let's, let's start to dream. Um, something I may not have mentioned as well is where I see blockchain. Uh, to me, there's no doubt whether it's five years or ten years than clearing houses, you know, CEPs and, and CCPs and CSDs will be either on the blockchain or will be blockchains. No doubt, right? Um, and whether it's, it's something that we do not know because we don't know what we don't know. But that's the future. And I think we need all of us, all of us, we need to go around the same ta table and talk specifically about what it does, what it doesn't do, what it is, what it is not, and then get back to work. You know, we have three to six months, I think, to prove it works, and then, you know, stop the hype. The hype is good for the payment rails, the big marketplace, the big infrastructure. Let that hype uh, be there. But for us, you know, let's work in the bowels of the bank and really deliver change. Um, that, that's all I can say. Fantastic. Well, before we um, before we end the podcast today, I'm going to put our two guests on the spot one final time. Um, in England, we have we have something called the salt box. I don't know if you heard what the salt, a salt box is. A salt box is something that a politician would stand upon and he would discuss things with anybody who wants to listen. So, like almost maybe like a political message or so on. Now, I'm not going to ask you to give any political messages, but using that idea of a salt box, imagine, I want you to imagine now that all the regulators of the world are listening to this podcast. All the CTOs of all the financial institutions are listening to this podcast. And startups, entrepreneurs are listening to this podcast. Now, hopefully a few of them are, but I just want you to imagine you have that audience listening today. You have 30 seconds just to summarize what would be the most important message that you want to go out to these people? So let me start off with Bjorn first. Now, you can talk about Bitcoin if you want to. That's fine. But if you have this audience at your disposition, what would you say to them if you had 30 seconds, the most important thing for you today? Well, I would say that um, we're very early in the game. We are uh, uh, we're infants when it comes to blockchain technology. Uh, this is, is like I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, like saying a Tesla is a horseless carriage. Um, so listen to technologists, uh, get to know the basics of, of blockchain and, um, you know, support the, the, your technologists because this is 
uh, a revolution. This is, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, who is Satoshi Nakamoto? It doesn't really matter. Who invented the wheel? Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, I don't know who invented the wheel. I, I don't care who invented the blockchain. I just know that it's as probably as big of an invention as the wheel is. So we're gonna. This is gonna be an integrated part in everybody's lives uh, in the future, uh, and we need to get there. And uh, you know, a lot of things in our society today is uh, is obsolete, like fiat currency. I would argue that that's obsolete, and we need to get away from that. So um, uh, go uh, digital currency. Go Bitcoin. Fantastic. Thank you. And uh, Alex, I'll give you the final word. Oh, thank you. And by the way, I know what is a soap box, uh, but I never stood on it. Um, though when I'm on the panel, this is my soap box. Um, so I would say, all right, don't be afraid. Uh, it's change. It's happening. Uh, embrace it. And depending on who is listening, you said CTO regulators, I would say, great, because it increases transparency, reduces cost and risk. If you're a regulator, you could create a public chain whereby you can view the data. No more trade reporting, no more um, you know, sniffing around what's happening in the market. You have the view of what's happening now and it's real and it's true. So there's the positive about it. Um, when you are a CTO or a CIO, talk to everyone. You know, make up your mind. There's Bitcoin, there's Ethereum, there's uh, our solutions and many, many others. Um, Try everything because it's not that expensive. You won't break the bank you, because you can create a sandbox outside you know, of your, um, of your um, core banking systems. And then that's very, very important. And lately, finally, there is space for everyone. And we are all friendly. I think there's space for Bitcoin. There's space for, I don't know, over 300 altcoins. Uh, and there's space to do a lot of work. And the future is very, very exciting. I'm very excited. Um, so let's all talk together about it because we cannot stop it. Excellent. Well, um, excellent. Well, that's uh, a very nice message. On and so I'd just like to thank both of our guests one more time, uh, Alex Bjorn. It's been a pleasure, and thank you for sharing your views and taking the time out today. Thank you, Saeed. Um, and I'd just, of course, like to thank our listeners as well today. And as we draw close to the end of or closing the end of 2015. I would just like to, on behalf of GrowVC Group and Grow Advisors, to wish you all a peaceful end to 2015 and much and great success in 2016. So until the next episode, from me, Syed Hassan and Grow Advisors, uh, I wish you a great end to the year and goodbye. Thank you. Thank you.